We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back. 755 Forever. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer at The Athletic. I'm with Eric O'Flaherty, former Braves reliever, my co-host. What's up, Eric? How you doing? Not bad. How about you? I'm doing good. Beautiful day here in uh, Northport. 65 and sunny. We had some rain and cold weather on Monday. Washed out everything except for the pitching, that which they did in the cages. But uh, today, gorgeous. Yeah, this is the kind of stuff you... Crisp, cool day, breezy. I tell you what, man, we've had some interesting stuff already happen down here. They had, you know, they started with the live BPs years ago on the first day of full squad. And this year they actually moved it up a day. And Snid had Strider, of all people, throw a live BP on the day of full squad reporting. So the day before. Today was first day of full squads. He threw a live BP yesterday. To Matt Olson and Austin Riley, who both reported so early, they'd been here about a week, and they were ready, Snit thought, and they and they looked good. It was eventful in that Strider came out firing, of course. Looks, I mean, if it's possible, his quads are even bigger now. It's ridiculous <laughs> in his pants. His quads are ridiculous. But the development, the news of the day was he unveiled a pitch that he says it's kind of a reshaping of his slider, but anybody that saw it thought it was a curveball. And I tell you, it's kind of a new dimension. He threw Matt Olson a couple of them. And Matt knew that he'd been working on it because they both were at Maven uh, Baseball Lab in Atlanta this winter. So Matt knew that he's worked on this. And, and he told him it was coming at one time. And uh, Olson hit it hard. But the other one, he didn't. And he kind of looked – you could tell it was something different. Yeah. I can't imagine him being able to strike out more people. But if you look at his stuff, <laughs> yeah, I mean, but if you look at his stuff, in my mind, any pitcher that has that rising effect to their fastball yeah. should have something that's, that's dropping, but, and not just, you know, dropping at a 10 to, you know, like a, a, an angle downward, but straight down. If you can do that, like, like Kershaw has, or as much straight down as you can get like 11 to six, it doesn't have to be 12, five. It's just the way the hitter sees the ball. It, it presents itself for a strike for so long. And when it goes straight down versus straight up, it's really hard to decipher the difference in the two. When you have a slider and that rising fastball, now he strikes everybody out because his fastball is just so good and his slider's not his fastball. But right. when you have a slider and a fastball, it's almost like 
it doesn't hold that lane as long in the hitter's view because it kind of goes sideways instead of straight down. So good pitchers always talk about making X's. So you have pitches that cross where like your fastball would start at the belt and almost appear to wind up at the chest. And you can start that curveball at the chest and wind up at the knees. It's just that's when normally you see a guy that's say 92, 93 that strikes out the world. Right. That's what they're doing is they're, is they're playing their pitches off each other. And I'm not saying his slider wasn't already a great pitch, but if he can truly throw, if he's calling it a vertical slider or whatever he's calling, if he could truly throw that straight down pitch, yeah. you know, curveball, vertical slider, whatever, if he could throw that, I don't even want to know what he does. Well, I tell you what, I, I think it was more him being coy and not wanting to come out and say, yeah, I developed yeah. this curveball in the offseason, make that a big story that's going out and he's got a curveball. smart. Instead, he said, yeah, you know, I'm trying some stuff. It was like, you know, what the hell, we'll screw around with it since it's BP. But it was obvious he'd worked on this all winter. And to unveil it with that effectiveness, we were talking off camera early. He threw last year, 93% of his pitches were fastballs, forcing fastballs and sliders. The other 7% change-ups. So really, hitters were just looking for the fastball and slider. And like you said, if he, if he can add this and doesn't have the same plane, and it's just such a different pitch if it falls out because it's not a sweeper-type slider at all. It's a, more of a curveball. It's a curveball. To me, it's just a curveball is what he threw. But, uh, and that's what Olsen thought it looked like. And Darno sitting behind the plate because Darno asked Olsen, did it make the next pitch look that much harder, the slider? And he goes, yeah, but everything he throws is hard. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, he's already got – you know, he averages 97 point something with his fastball, but he can pump it up to 100. But the thing is, his 97 to me is 100. <laughs> yeah. It's like a big power pitcher, six foot four guy throwing on a downhill plane. It's more effective than his 100 because he's, like you said, he's throwing from a different plane. I wrote about this today. He's just under six feet tall. He's got those massive quads. He gets the extension of like a seven foot guy. You know? I think he gets this, almost the same extension as DeGrom. Right, he does. They were like at the top of the of the of the charts for extension. But like guys like Garrett Cole get much less extension than him, even though they're four inches taller. Yeah. So between being six feet tall and getting that extension, he's coming down the slope of the mound so far that it does. Like you said, it has that appearance of being a rise ball. You know, it's not rising, but it's just not coming downhill like all these other guys throwing. So. It's just staying the same. So it looks like it's rising. It's just all the hitters last year would talk about that. It's got that giddy up, that extra gear, because it doesn't drop. It comes in. It looks like it's taken off when it gets near the plate. Yeah, and that's all that matters is I don't, I don't care what the science is behind it. The hitters feel like it's going uphill. <laughs> so you throw something off, it's, it's going downhill. And then only throwing, you know, 7% changeups. Some pitchers just never are able to fully grasp that pitch where they're comfortable throwing it when they really need it. But what a curveball can do, and if this is a true curveball, then it would be slower than a slider, is that the curveball can provide a lot of that back and forth that throws hitters' timing off. What's a slider velocity? Do you remember? Is it upper 80s? Upper 80s. Upper 80s, maybe 90. So upper 80s, you're looking at, say, 7 miles an hour on average, 8. You throw a curveball that's 12 to 14 slower. Yeah. That's where you offset the time. You mess up their timing and throw their timing off. And hitters are all about timing. Why you've seen so many guys be able to do those big leg kicks and then how the pitchers countered, they started hanging their leg and making the hitter hang there and throw their timing off. A curveball can provide a lot of that. And 
I'm not going to say his slider can't do that because seven or eight is still pretty good, even for a changeup, but a changeup looks just like a fastball. So curveball could be in that aspect. If it's slower, you know, four miles, five miles an hour slower than a slider, now he's got three different, you know, speeds that he's throwing up there too, not just two. And we've talked about, I, I firmly believe that he came along at a time in the game where obviously he's going to be great anytime, throwing as hard as he does and having a slider. But if he came along 20 years ago, I think it's different before all the guys started going to these uppercut swings. Mm-hmm. And these uppercut swings, I think, are a lot easier to hit on these guys with a downward plane, these six foot four power pitchers that are throwing downhill. And they can't adjust their swing for one guy, for Strider. No, so, you practice it too many times. Yeah, your point like, of contact and your path to the ball is already set. It's like, yeah, that point of contact, it's like simple kind of geometry. If you think about guys with an uppercut swing and his fastball's coming in on a level plane instead of downhill, there's not the much two chance. two paths you, don't cross for right. very long. And when they yeah. do, you're going to probably hit it out. You're going to hit it along with the exit velos. His average exit velo is really high because when they do connect, yeah, he's generating a lot of the power himself. But, yeah, they miss so many. I mean, it's – his strikeout percentage last year was like 38. It's stupid. It's way higher than anybody else's, any qualified pitcher in the majors last year. Way he's, higher. He's Kimbrell for seven to nine innings. You know, and it, it also used to be, if you talk about like if he would have come along in a different period of the game, he purposely throws high fastballs for strikes. And he's better up there. And for the longest time, and that might have had a lot to do with how the hitters – the hitter's bat path to the ball. It, they practiced getting on top of it and getting on top of it. And then sinkers and cutters became so popular, they had to counter and figure out a way to lift it. But I was shocked. It was probably three or four years ago, but I was shocked. They uh, cut to a pitcher warming up in the bullpen and he went fastball up, but for a strike to a side of the plate. I'd never seen it in my life. It was never even a pitch that during my career we practiced. Like if I would have said fastball up and away for a strike, Anytime you threw a fastball up on purpose, practicing, it was for ball and for chase. It was just, it was supposed to be a little above the zone. Let's get him to chase, but we're not throwing anything up in the zone on purpose. And now you see catchers setting up in the zone for strikes. So he just fits that perfectly where that's where he's at his best and nobody's going to tell him not to do it or even think twice. Yeah. And I was talking to him about analytics and unlike some of the guys who are kind of reluctant to fully embrace analytics or whatever, he's like, no, all information is good. The more you can Any get, the better. Get. Look for it wherever you can get it. And he's a guy that's so smart and so cerebral that I swear the TJ, you don't want to say it was a good thing, but he changed everything after TJ because he totally dove into all this mechanics. How can he best utilize his size and all of that and get extension? He did all that after he had TJ surgery at Clemson. And he came back. He was a different pitcher after the Braves got him and he got healthy. And that time off is really the only chance. You know, you get it in the offseason, but a lot of guys throw most of the offseason. That time off where you just don't touch a ball is your only chance to really like have no muscle memory and just start fresh. So if he was going to rebuild his delivery during that period, study who he wanted to be and what he wanted to do. I mean, hat tip to him for for taking that period and making the most of it. Yeah, and this is a guy that's driven, and we've talked about this. This guy's as driven as anybody on this team, man. I mean, he he was the guy that was most pissed after they lost the NLDS, or that was the most outspoken about it. And uh, it wasn't just talk for him. He went. He barely took any time off. He was back in the gym and all that. Started his throwing program. Threw down in Atlanta. Spent a lot of time in Atlanta this year. Went back and forth between there and Knoxville, where he lives. 
do a lot over at Maven because he was working on this. He was obviously determined to work on this curveball, but uh, he came into camp, man. And like I said, if you look at the video I posted yesterday, you can see his quads. It's ridiculous. This guy's legs are ridiculous. There's a genetic factor there too, but I don't yeah. doubt that he works his ass off. He's going to – I just think he's going to have a monster season. I mean, not that he hasn't already had two of them, but that ERA last year, 3-7 or whatever, it was going to – I think you'll probably see it a lot in the low threes this year and uh, over 300 strikeouts. Um, We've talked about it a bunch too is like you have to go through the struggles. He has to go through that down period he had where he he got hit pretty hard for a few starts and and then pretty soon you learn how to turn that six spot into a two spot and maybe maybe only get through five but you don't get torched and you do that three or four times during the year, you give up 15 less runs and all of a sudden it's like, yeah, wow, he's got that two six. And the only difference was three or four starts that he just had to go through and learn how to uh, just minimize the damage. And he's got a like-minded guy now here in Chris sale, a guy that he, he watched and idolized when he was young, when he was in college watching, he Chris sales, a guy that he loved watching. Very similar temperament. Strider doesn't show it on the mound as much like Sale does, but they're driven the same way. They're both fanatics about winning at all costs. That's the only thing important. I think they're really going to hit it off, those two. It's going to be interesting, man. This rotation, if they can keep Sale healthy, and by healthy, I mean if they can just get 20, 22 starts out of him, keep him healthy because they're going to give him a lot of rest when he needs it, make sure they don't push him to where he gets hurt if they can avoid it. But if they can get 20, 22 starts out of him, as long as he's healthy for the postseason, that that will be well worth what they're paying him. That's what the way they look at it. Yeah, I wonder if he's ever – I bet you he's tried to gain weight and his body just doesn't accept it. He makes Max Freed look – Thick. <laughs> Max doesn't like look skinny bulky. anymore. <laughs> the two of them standing side by side because their lockers are next to each other. We were looking at him yesterday going, that's got to be the two skinniest aces in baseball. Elite yeah. pitchers on the same team. Yeah. He is really skinny. He is. He's about two inches taller or an inch taller than Freed, too. He's a big guy. Yeah, and tall. I think you could just move so fast at that light of weight. You know, and he's just a naturally strong guy. But the leaner guys are always, especially for the long season and pitchers. Yeah. You know, the years I was the leanest, I got hurt. That always yeah. kind of worries me. But if he can find a way to stay healthy, I mean, there's, there's no breaks with the rotation either. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. 
So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 755 Forever is excited to partner with Blue Wire Podcast and join their great stable of podcasts. More information to come on that. So we got a sponsor, a national sponsor, our group of sponsorships that it puts together. And again, remind everybody we got merchandise, good momentum so far on the sales. Appreciate everybody that's bought stuff. Uh, you can get yours at 755forever.com. That's 755, the numbers, forever.com. And just click store when you get there on our page. Also, for sponsorship info, you can reach out to Tim Shovers, our producer, our excellent producer. You can email him at 755foreverpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's 755foreverpodcast at gmail.com. My buddies, just to support us, bought a couple of the hoodies, and they were wearing when we were playing some ping pong. And really? Nice. Uh, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I like them. I do. I like the mugs, too. We appreciate those who have begun reaching out and buying stuff. They got the baseball undershirts look good. The baseball sleeve shirts look good. I like those. They took BP today, and I tell you what, I think they got a batch of dead balls. And I don't know if MLB is shipping those out, but we watched guys hitting balls hard today that normally 30, 40 of them would go in the stands during BP. I saw maybe three balls go out, and the wind was not blowing in. It was barely doing anything. It was really noticeable because you're so used now to the balls flying up on this Berman left field to the truest pavilion seats in right center, and nothing was like it was barely getting the warning track. Those won't last. Yeah, it'd be interesting. Yeah, I don't think <laughs> I mean, it those, will. Those will get swapped out. We're not yeah. going to have a season with you know dead ball. <laughs> I can promise you that. Jared Kelnick, he has made a really good impression so far. I'm writing about something about him today. He's come in and done exactly what they had hoped he would do. He's been a sponge. And I think he's really appreciating being able to talk to all the guys like Austin Riley, Matt Olson. He went and hit with Matt Olson some at, uh, at Maven Baseball Lab in Atlanta when he was here for the uh, Brace Fest. And Olson said, the guy's got stupid talent. You know, he faced him when he was a rookie, when Olson was still in Oakland, and Kelnick was a rookie with the Mariners. And then last year, Kelnick faced the Braves and hit a home run up there, chop shop, chop house. Olson said, "Just talk." It was the first time he really talked to him, and he said, "He's a great guy, and he's he just wants to come in and play his ass off." I can tell he wants to win. He goes, "We don't need him to come in and be the guy. We just need him to come in, be a good dude, play hard baseball, and everything else will work out." And I think he's getting that message. And if he's hitting seventh in the order, so which I think is where he'll be, that's just going to help him. I mean, he's got just so many guys around him. There's not going to be any of the pressure that he felt. You know, being the guy that Seattle traded for Edwin Diaz, you know? I mean, Seattle yeah, got... They give up a lot for him. He was the centerpiece of that trade. And everybody expected, you know... And this is only six months after the Mets took him with the number six pick in the draft. Seattle fans expected so much, and he didn't do anything for two years, really. And then last year, he gets off to that incredible start. And then 45 games, he hit over 900 OPS, 10 homers, hit close to 300, high OBP. And then he makes a dumb mistake of uh, kicking a cooler out of frustration. He's a fiery guy, too. And I think he learned his lesson there, though. Kicks a cooler 45 games into a slump that immediately followed his 45-game surge. It was, like, perfect evenly. And, and the irony was it was actually a good at bat that he struck out. He struck out in the bottom of the ninth in July in a July game against uh, 
the uh, what twins closer that dude throws like a hundred and three is it twins? Dar oh. Darn it, Dare or what? I, I big I dude. I just, I just wrote it, but the guy throws like hard, and he had he had fouled off like two hundred mile an hour plus pitches, then struck out, and um, went back to the thing and kicked the you know because he was slumping at the time and um, he was frustrated, and then that was it, and everybody thought that was the end of the Mariners season, but Julio Rodriguez, who had been slumping until then, had really started to get hot. So Kelnick gets hurt, and they actually start winning more because Julio Rodriguez started hitting like Julio Rodriguez can. So you know they were they were in it till the end, and he came back. He tried to come back. Kelnick did at the end of the year, but obviously he missed so much time that he wasn't the same. So I think he's looking at this, and I talked to some Braves who said the same thing. This is like pushing a reset button. He's got a new hitting yeah. coach. He couldn't have a better hitting coach than Seitzer, who's a guy that, as Kelnick said, I can tell already he's super positive all the time. Because hitting's hard, it can be you can be negative on yourself, but he's super positive, and he doesn't try to come in and get everybody to change to a cookie cutter swing to his approach. Sites isn't about that. He works with a guy for a few weeks before he even starts suggesting things. He wants to see exactly what they do, and then he plays to their strengths. So you'll see, you know, everybody in the Braves lineup has a different swing basically because he doesn't try to have them swing. You know, he's not one of those Charlie Lau type guys or swing down and all that. He doesn't do it like that, and he's highly successful, I think, because of, the, of his approach he uses. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I came over to Atlanta from Seattle, and I'd kind of made an ass of myself in Seattle. I don't think I would have turned things around there. You know, I think about it all the time. I look back, and it's like there was this cloud that was going to be with me, you know, hanging over me everywhere I went in Seattle, and it was going to be tough to shake my reputation. And, and I always talk about that, here we go again, because those are tough feelings to kind of shake when you start to struggle. And I was the exact same age Kelnick is right now. I was 24. So I could speak to it that a fresh start can absolutely change your career. Having no expectations, and I don't mean none, he's going to have his own expectations that he has, but it's going to be such a stark contrast to we gave up Edwin Diaz for you. You're supposed to be so good. And there's certain guys that no matter what they do, like Acuna is one of the only guys that came with all this hype and surpassed it. Yeah. Most of the time, there's this level of hype around you that you couldn't possibly live up to, especially that early in your career. You're not a 24, 25-year-old yet. You know, your brain's a lot of times not even developed. Like, you're just not ready for this. And then you get put in a situation where you get this hard reset and nobody expects anything of you and you can just play ball. And I mean, that's why I said when they traded for him that I was like, I could see him having 15, 20 homers by the break and having a breakout season and this looking like you know, for Seattle, a terrible trade. But when you look at it, the way I look at it is like he wouldn't have turned it around in Seattle. I don't think because he had already he was too deep into that mess. And as far as like the kicking the cooler thing, like there's a YouTube video of me punching a cooler, you know, and that's like the first one that pops up when people search for me. And my kids have seen it. It sucks. I did it. But in that moment, man, when you're passionate and I think it's a good trait when you care that much. Sometimes you just, I mean, there's no way to let that energy and frustration out without hitting something, but I did it probably once a season. I tried to throw a shopping cart once. I can't believe how heavy those things are. <laughs> and Huddy had pitched and I came in and blown a game for him and I was throwing my big fit screaming, you know, F-bombs. And I tried to pick up, they had those big metal Shopco Costco, uh, shopping carts and I tried to pick that thing up and I got like halfway and I went to throw it and then it went like a foot and then that pissed me off more, you know? So it's like, I just spiraled out of control. But I mean, I just think almost all players have been there and I don't think it's ever a bad sign for a guy to care that much. 
I just learned later in my career, I started hitting stuff with my right hand or doing it in the tunnel and doing it in ways that I wouldn't get hurt, that I could still let that frustration out. Yeah. And I think now sale, like talking to, to Matt Olson, he said, you know, I'm not saying they don't have some veterans over there, but nothing like we have in this clubhouse. And yep. if things start to spiral on this guy this time, it's not just going to build and build and build inside. He's going to be We're able to pick talk to up. these guys. And he's not going to be in a cleanup spot. That'll probably be Matt Olson's where he was last year, the major league home run leader and RBI leader. So and I agree probably in Seattle because even if he got off to another hot start, they're going to be waiting like, okay, when's it going to, when something's going to happen, he's going to get hurt. He's going to do something stupid. So he was going to have to prove it there over a full year or two, you know? You probably here, a couple years. And here they didn't trade much to get him. They just made some other trades and took on some money. But people aren't going to think that when he's, when he's up there hidden. They're not going to think, we took on $17 million and cut to get five years of contractual control of this guy. They're going to be like, no. who'd we trade for him? No, oh, okay, yeah. whatever. You know? They're not going to think it anyway because they're going to be thinking that ball Acuna hit, it had yeah. to be 500 feet. Or I can't believe Riley hit a grand slam two games in a row. Or is, is, is Strider going to strike out 17 again? Like there's so many big, exciting stories that a guy struggling that you didn't give up much for, he's not going to even have to answer questions about it. And he's got less than two years of service. They yeah. got five years of control. So it's not even like he's got the pressure to go out and succeed right away. They're going to let him hit every day, play every day. But if he were to struggle horribly, you know, on one side, they could platoon. If they need to, but they don't plan on it, but they're not going to make him think that, you know, they're not going to have him worry and looking over his shoulder that if you, if you hit 220 in the first month, we're going to platoon. That's not what they're going to do. And they don't and they give got, up on you. They've they shown got a good multiple track times. Yeah. I've not given up on guys. They'll send you down, get you right and bring you right back up. And if you struggle again, they'll send you down. And when you're right, we'll bring you back up until you hit. Yeah. I mean, they rode with Rosario for a long time. I mean, look at Ozuna last year. This is a guy that fans wanted to get rid of anyway, and he gets off to that horrible start. We're all like, why are they still holding on to him? And what does he end up doing? 40 bombs and 100 RBIs as a DH. I was wrong about that one. I was dead wrong. <laughs> I thought it was time. I was like, I was dead man, wrong. I just so, don't see how this turns around. And so it did. He's in the perfect place as far as all those factors are concerned the manager, the general manager, the teammates, the expectations of the fans. I mean, this is it. If you yep. can't do it here, then you might have a problem. But this is it. I mean, and to me, the guy looks like he's really talented. He moves. He, he's got that look about him when he's on the field. He just looks like a ball player. Everything's smooth. His swing looks good. He throws well. He throws really well. He throws hard. He's got a great arm. But he, uh, Austin Riley was talking about uh, the thing that stands out about him was the attention to detail. He said the preparation before he goes out on the field – is stretching and all that. Then it's throwing. He does everything regimented. He doesn't just screw around when he's out there. Everything is really straight. And Austin said, yeah, that's, that, you don't see that very often. So that was good. They are, they've all been impressed by the kid. I said, kid, he's 24. Sometimes that can turn into a negative where you can convince yourself that if I don't feel right, I can't have a good game. That's an area that he could talk to older guys about. And it's like, when it's time to play, you just go play and you take what you got that day. So that could be something that, like, if I saw him put too much pressure on himself to get his preparation perfect, you know, like, but you're surrounded by older guys that can tell you, man, like, look, no matter how you feel that day. And it, I, I think a big thing is, like, if you look at Harris last year when he was really struggling. There's another guy Ozuna that took him, with, yeah. Ozuna takes him aside, gives him a vote of confidence. Like, it takes one thing from one teammate to turn your season around, and he's going to be surrounded by – 
10, 15 guys with a lot of experience and success. And it's not like there's guys that haven't struggled on this team. There's plenty of guys that have been through really rough times. And that's why Ozuna coming up to him after having the season he was having and still telling him something like that. He told him that because he's been there and he knows what it's like. So he'll have, he's going to have a lot of support. Speaking of Ozuna, he's taking ground balls at first base. He's the guy over there with Matt Olson today. They have two at every position. He's the backup over there. Uh, he did it late last season, and then Snit used him in the inter-squad games at first base. And Snit told him, I'm going to use you in some spring training games. Last year he told him that. So he's going to do it. He's going to – Snit thinks – I like his idea on this. Snit looks at it as a lot of guys don't want to just DH in spring training because they're not doing anything. He goes, this is like good exercise. It keeps his body moving. And he said, and he's not bad over there. He's got the hands. He's got, he's okay with the hands. I don't think you want to start him probably starting a uh, – a, Playoff uh, game? <laughs> no, a three six one double play, you know, or a three six three, and I wouldn't see him playing any during the regular season unless Olson got hurt. And even then, you might move Riley over and put one of the guys at third. But if he shows in spring training, if he handles all his chances over there with the, with no problems, then yeah, Snip might use him in a, in a in a regular season game if he wants to give Olson a day off or Olson has a, is dinged up one day. Who knows? But right now, he's just doing it basically because it's spring training. He's going to play some because Olsen's not going to make all the trips up to Deneed and all that, and it keeps him active. He's out there working out at first base instead of, you know, as a DH, just waiting to take his hacks in a cage. You get toward the end of your career and you want to present yourself as a bench bat or something like that. I mean, you, any extra position you can play, you're adding value. So it doesn't hurt him to start learning this because there's going to be a time where his bat's not quite enough to be the DH. The team already has a DH. So, I mean, why not work on it? And what if you get good at it? And Olsen gets hurt and you can fill in for a week or two. Yeah, and he's got the size and all that, obviously. And they're not they're done with the outfield, uh, Zuna <laughs> in the outfield. He's got I a gold a, glove. I had a trivia thing the other day. I asked, who's the only guy on this Braves team outfielder that has a gold glove in the outfield? <laughs> It's Marcel Zuna. <laughs> but that video Acuna, of him. Acuna and Harris should have him pretty soon. Yeah, that video of him climbing the wall in St. Louis for the ball that landed like in front of the warning track and he jumps back. That's like all time. Yeah, it was windy, I heard. But it was the arm. The arm is what killed him in the yeah. outfield because he had the shoulder surgery, never recovered from that. And so the arm's not really viable out there anymore. So, But they don't need him. They've got guys. And uh, I talked to Guillaume. I think he's going to be a good fit here as a utility guy. You know, he's uh, he's good friends with Pilar. He thought Pilar was coming back. Pilar thought he was coming back. I don't know what worked out, how it worked, but I think after they got Kellenic that Pilar probably looked at it and said, I'm not playing there if I go there. You know, he loved it here. Pilar wanted to come back. He went on vacation with guys on this team twice this winter. But he also wants ABs, and he didn't get many last year, but he ended up platooning at least. Well, as long as Kellenic's healthy and the other guys are healthy, if you're an outfielder on this team, a backup, you're going to play very rarely. Yeah. You're not pinch hitting anymore, you know? That changed And you don't everything. want to be in a position where you're hoping a teammate fails so you can play because that's just bad karma. So he signed a minor league deal with the White Sox where like half the team is former Braves, it seems like. I'm exaggerating, but they've got like five. They've got Soroka. they got like – we named like four guys they have on the White Sox team right now. I tell you, the, just the general vibe here, the attitude, I, you really like it because you kind of wondered how they're going to come back from losing to the Phillies again twice. Is it going to be all about, you know, high tension here or any kind of like we can't let that happen again? Right? It seems like they took it the right way, They're really motivated by it, but at the same time it's not obsessive. They're not mentioning it all the time. And uh, 
unless you ask them just the way they conduct themselves and the answers they give to everything, you wouldn't know this team's any different than it was coming off the World Series win. I mean, they know they're good. And they really believe they were the best team last year. Whether you believe it or not, they do. They just think if they put it together, there's no reason why they can't win. They had a bad series, you know. I mean, it's unfortunate it was two years in a row, but you can't fixate on that. You have a whole season to play. And if you get to the point where you're like, well, we got to get the Phillies in the postseason. And then you're not even paying attention to your season. All of a sudden, you're in a division race. You know, you worry about that when it comes. And they are the best team. And it's showing up because nationally, all the guys that are, all the people that do uh, power rankings and that have them first or second. And I've seen them first and like in our, in the athletic, they're first. So considering how much money the Dodgers spent in the offseason, it kind of tells you how deep this Braves team is. They went out and got Sale and Kellenick and a few relievers. People have them ahead of the Dodgers who spent, what, a billion, half a billion dollars or something. I mean, the Dodgers added Otani, and I still think the Braves have a better lineup. I do too. I think they, because the Dodgers still have a couple of question marks in theirs, a couple of underwhelming guys in theirs. The Braves really don't. Kellenick's the only real question with the Braves, and we, we know what he can do like he did the first 45 games last year. Dodgers have a couple of soft spots in their lineup, though, and also the Dodgers rotation. I mean, they went out and got a couple of big pitchers, but the Braves is five deep if Sale, uh, if Sale's healthy with Bryce Elder as your sixth guy. And Hawaskari Noah, by the way, is healthy. He looks good, so we'll see. Talked to Ian Anderson today. No setbacks, coming along great in TJ. He's throwing from 120, but they're taking it easy. The Braves do that thing now where they're not tr- pushing guys. They go 16 months, basically, with everybody, 16 to 18. They don't want them pushing it coming back. So he's looking at midseason, but they're not putting a specific date on it. And I asked him, are you still going straight over the top? And he said, pretty much. He goes, a little bit. They altered it a little bit because he studied his mechanics and all that after TJ. So he said he's come down just a little bit. So that'll be interesting to see what he's doing when I see him on the mound. Yeah, it's a tricky spot for guys like uh, Soroka talking about, you know, how he threw was maybe what got him hurt, but also how he threw was what made him good, you know? And so like you get into this spot, my sinker toward the end of my career was killing my arm, but that was my go-to pitch. And I wish going back, I would have been like, you know what, I'm dropping back down you know, 10, 15 degrees in my arm slot and riding four seamers again. Cause that's how I threw my whole life until I fell in love with the sinker. Then I started changing things and getting hurt. But at the same time, it's like, I didn't have any time to, to mess around with this four seam and, and different arm angle because I got to get outs or I'm not going to have a job. So I think Tommy John's kind of, I mean, it's a window to make those changes and, and get it into some rehab starts and see like, am I effective from here? If this is my healthier way to throw without, you know, a lot on the line. Yeah, it'll be interesting. He uh, he did say that he threw last spring. It was hurting the whole spring, and he just thought he could pitch through it. And he didn't say anything until he went to AAA and got completely lit up in his first start there. And that's when he said, yeah, it's hurting, and they did the MRI, and yeah, it's torn. It's a hard lesson to learn because he would have yeah. been collecting service time the whole the whole year. God, that is. You're right. And I asked him, I said, looking back, could it even have been contributed to you struggling the previous year after, you know, it had been so solid coming up? And he said, yeah, I don't want to look back that far, but, you know, yeah, there was stuff off and on that was hurting. So I really believe it started hurting him then. Yeah, and even before it starts hurting, it gets kind of weak and yeah. ball's just not coming out the same. So you get him back at midseason. You get Penn Murphy, the reliever, who's coming back from TJ. They're going to have him at midseason. You're going to be some big additions to this team. Penn Murphy's going to be a big addition to that bullpen, potentially. Big strikeout numbers for that guy. Waskari Noah. I mean, we're going to see some guys come up that are 
a higher grade pitcher than the ones they've pulled up to make those extra starts in recent years where you're kind of crossing your fingers going, this guy's had a 70 ERA and four major league starts with the Mets. What's he going to do here? These are, they're, they got some proven guys that are going to be on the back burner. That staff at Gwinnett could be pretty studly. Yeah. I mean, and ideally you don't ever even need to find out if they fixed it or not, or, or if they're better because your team stays healthy, but you know, that's not realistic. There's always opportunities for those guys. If you can bring up guys like that, you're in good shape. Yeah, uh, the bullpen, the other lefty we were talking about the other day because I knew they had four or five. The other one's Kerr, the guy they got from San Diego, whose numbers aren't great, but tremendous arm. They love his arm. Throws hard. And uh, between him and Dylan Lee, you got five lefties there. They're obviously not going to go with five. Dylan probably starts out triple A. Kerr might, but there's a chance they could go with four. They're going to have at least three, though. Why is Dylan Lee going to go to triple A? Got an option left. Ugh. I love the way he throws. Uh huh. So yeah, another nice one to put, be able to pull up anytime they want it. So the bullpen is stacked. It really is stacked. Yeah, if you're sending him to AAA, you're stacked. Yeah, he's uh, he's Alex was really driven, obsessed with making sure they didn't have happen what happened last year when the rotation went into the postseason again, diminished, got injuries in the previous year, injuries and illness, and. The If you look at the September numbers, August and September numbers for the bullpen, which had been a real strength for a couple of months, carried the team, really took a dip in August, September because they were using guys so much. I mean, they were using early on Jesse Chavez and Mentor, like let, they were tied for the league lead in appearances. I mean, they were using them every other game. So they each went through period. Chavez got hurt. But just about everybody in that bullpen went through a rough stretch last year. And it was not the same pin when it, when it went into postseason at all, even though they pitched okay. Yeah, I think that's a, it's a tough balance, you know. I mean, the last thing you want to do is have a tired pen in the postseason. They've rode that pen to a World Series. Yeah, and you're not going to have it this year because between the starters they've got, that should be guarantee you're not using openers, guarantee you're not going to have many guys going pulling pulled in the third inning, and some guys going a little longer. Between the starters that you've got and the fact that you've got eight, nine, ten deep in the bullpen, so even if you if a couple of guys get hurt. There's just no reason why they should go into the uh, postseason with a with a pen that's on fumes like that again. Yeah, they and a really, you know, an important surplus. role that they've had the last however many years is their uh, their long men. Yeah, Jackson Stevens, role. he's there. He's a candidate for that, but I don't know if he's good enough to make this pen. But he might be the guy just because you know if they need somebody to suck up three innings, he can do it. The other way they could look at it is though we got enough guys that if we if we need to eat four or five innings we can use three of our good guys and just yep. do that without taking up one of those spots with, you know, Jackson Stevens. So it'll be you, interesting. you call Penn gets a little worn down. You call a Noah up and yeah. he's been starting, you know, he's a guy that I just looking at him and watching him walk around. He's hitting homers. He's athletic. He's a guy that has been in the pen. They could throw him for three, four innings and give him a few days off and keep doing it with him. But you know, he's got dominant stuff and you're not going to have to get guys up to back him up. Right. And Ronaldo Lopez, it's going to be interesting to see his role. Does it change? I think he's going to start the year in the rotation. He's getting stretched out here to start. But obviously they can make that move whenever they need it during the season because you got other guys you can put in a fifth starter role if you need to, Lopez to be in – to go in either as a closer or as a primary setup guy. There you go. Man, what a weapon to have that guy. Yeah, 100-mile-an-hour fastballs don't really uh, – they don't get old. No. They, they always play. 
it's going to be a fun team to watch, I think, and they have been fun, obviously. God, it's like, can they possibly match last year's offense? I don't know. I mean, it seems like it's more likely that one or two guys are going to have significantly less. They had, nobody had a bad year last year. I mean, everybody was almost at peak or, or did set career best. I don't know if you can expect, I mean, Acuna is the best hitter in baseball, best player besides Shohei. You might say Shohei is the best because he could pitch, but I would take a position guy. Acuna is, my, is the best player in baseball to me. But he might have a monster season and still not go 40-70, you know? That's crazy. Matt Olson, can he possibly match that? And he set franchise records that on a franchise that had Hank Aaron and Eddie Matthews and Chipper Jones. He set homers and RBI records for, for, for the franchise. <laughs> if they do 75% of what they did last year, they're still probably top one, two offense in the game, probably one. Right. I mean, it was just it was just stupid what they did the whole season. Yeah, they hit 307 homers last year. If they hit 270, they're still going to be top two or three in baseball. And you get a little better pitching, you know, because the rotation numbers ended up not being not very good last year. The rotation numbers were not good. They should be a lot better this year. Max Fried missed half the season. Kyle Wright missed almost the entire season. You know, if you look at it, how they patched it together, it's pretty impressive. But Max Fried's on a free agent walk year. Chris Sales added. Spencer Strider now is established. And Charlie, you look at Charlie's numbers last year. Until the last two starts before he got hurt, he had a three, like a low threes ERA. Yeah. And tons of strikeouts. He had over 200 strikeouts in 170, 80 innings last year. So then he gave up 10 runs in 10 innings in the last two starts and got hurt after one inning in the, the very last one. But people that look at his numbers and think, oh, what are they bringing Charlie back for? This is a rock, man. This is a guy that yeah. you look at his he, – he leads the team in innings and strikeouts and, and over, wins over the last three years since he's been here. Yeah, and he's always there. Yeah, I mean, he did get hurt, but – he doesn't have a lot of just bomb starts. You know, I, I'd rather have a guy that maybe he doesn't put up a 2-6 ERA. Uh, he, maybe he's in the mid-threes, but a majority of his starts, you're getting six or seven innings out of him because that's what that's what saves your pen over the season. And he's a guy that Snit doesn't – Snit knows that even if he gives up three, four runs in the first inning or the second inning, he leaves yeah. Charlie in because he knows he's going to settle in and not give up another run. So he you might know, give up guys four runs. That guy could give up four or five runs in a second inning and still get through six and yeah. not give up another run. So and that's why pitchers used to get paid on innings. You know, like it, I remember I was with Seattle and we signed uh, Carlos Silva to a four year deal and he didn't have amazing numbers, but he'd thrown 200 innings however many years in a row. And it was just that there's a huge value in that, just for, especially for saving your pen. Uh, and anybody wondering about uh, Wash's infield drills? Tui Asasopo, I've watched him handle the fungo, it's pretty solid. I think he's going to be okay. He's not going to have the wash uh, banter that we got so used to, but who could? That's going to be interesting to watch that. Uh, I watched Goodwin today. I think that's a, that was a great promotion to bring Goodwin up. He'll pick got up it. a lot of the uh, the trash talking and, and laughing in the clubhouse that uh, that Wash has taken with him. And, and Tui's a guy that's – he's always got a smile on his face and he's always ready to work. And you can't really ask for pleasant more guy. Tui's a really good good dude. Goodwin, I I really like the fact that he's going to be working with these outfielders. I think he's going to be able to help some guys. He looks like he could still play. Yeah. So and everybody loves him. So good hires and good on them to promote guys. You know, from within the organization. 
that's how you're going to get more good coaches in your system, you know, and you want guys, everybody all the way up, you want your guys working with pros, pros. And if there's no opportunity to ever get a big league job, like yeah. if you've, if you're looking for a job and you see, you know, the Red Sox are hiring this double A job, but they haven't right. hired a major league coach from within. They've only brought guys in from elsewhere. I mean, it's, you're going to look somewhere else, but once in a while, bringing a guy up from the minors, that's put in the time in your organization is a big deal. All right, so they got, uh, what, it's only two more days and they play a game. That's totally That's changed. That's ridiculous. That's totally yeah. changed in the last few years, especially the last five to ten. It's gradually changed. But they come in and have full squad workout on Tuesday. Most teams started yesterday. Brace started today. And they're going to play a game on Friday. Well, you just, you're putting the ball in the players' courts to show up ready, though. Yeah. You know, it's different now. Yeah, they used to show up and play, and work out for two weeks before they played a game. Forever. You did PFPs forever before yeah. you did anything that mattered. And I, I think that's – I think overall I'm sure the players are thrilled with that because I can get my work in at home. I can show up ready. But, like, man, we would have three weeks left in spring training, and I, I'd be sitting there like, I'm just wasting bullets. I'm ready for the season to start. And it's easier for a reliever. You don't have to build up. But the hitters felt ready too. It was mainly like the length of spring training was strictly to give starters enough time to stretch out. And Snit's like Bobby. He gets the guys in, uh, get get your work in, get it done, get out of here. They don't stay out here until two, three in the afternoon. They don't take lunch break and come back and keep working. They never do that. The best, the best camp of all time was Bobby Cox spring training. I remember like the first week I was jogging, Javier Vasquez was joking like, I feel like I should give my meal money back because we were done. We were off. We were doing our running and then we were done and it was probably 9.30, 10 a.m. But there's just, there's no point to just have guys out there forever just so they don't have a hard day or, or just so they don't go play golf. And that's what like, Snit said, you know, why keep them out here? All? We could stand around, sure, for hours. All you're going to have is everybody get fried backs and sore feet. So come in, do your work, get out of here. The less time you spend standing around in cleats, the better. All right. Well, we'll do another of these uh, next week and uh, have some games to talk about. But so far, been interesting, and the Braves are going to be a fun team to watch once again, obviously. And nothing but good, nothing but positive early in camp. I know that everybody says that, but, you know, this is a team that has won 205 regular season games the last two years. So There's not a lot to fake. Yeah, exactly. They know they're good. All right, that's it. 755 Forever. We appreciate you guys uh, listening, watching, buying stuff, and uh, keep it up. Thanks a lot. We are out. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.